If you're looking for a way to help birds or take your support to the next level, this May, I would love for you to join the Birds Canada Birdathon. It's easy to participate in and helps raise thousands of dollars for bird conservation. Learn more at birdscanada.org slash birdathon. Now let's get to the episode. You're listening to The Warblers, a Birds Canada podcast. I'm Andrea Gress. Join me and others as we travel on common flight paths with our guests, gaining insights and inspiration from the world of birds and bird conservation in Canada. Welcome to another episode of the Warblers podcast. We've got a mini-so today from the field. Uh, I am in Calgary with two of my colleagues, Jody Allaire and Amanda Beekle. How's it going? Good, good. Good to see you guys. We're so excited to be here. We don't get to go birding in person very much anymore, so this is just great. Uh, We're actually in Carbon Park, so we are in the thick of Calgary. We wanted to go somewhere that's accessible for lots of people. You can come to this park for free. It's right now we're standing along the Bow River. You might be able to hear the Deerfoot Highway in the background, to be honest. Uh, But that doesn't make this like any less of an awesome birding spot. You know, we've got water, we've got trees, there's kind of like grasslandy little patches. It's actually a really diverse area. So we're excited to get out and see what we can find and, and like just enjoy the spring. Yeah, very excited. It feels like spring, doesn't oh, it? The sun is the out. Sun. Blue skies. Already it seems like there's lots of birds around. So yeah, I'm excited to see what we can see. We will be doing an eBird list, of course. And we'll link that in the episode description so you can kind of see what what sort of fun we had. The color goes on the belly. Welcome back. Yeah. So first, first American Robin of the year? Yeah. 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 Awesome. First one for me. Yeah. Two weeks ago I came here and there I didn't get one. So they're really great birds. They're taking advantage of all like the snow disappearing, lots of food coming out. But the really neat thing is with robins, you can actually tell the male and females apart pretty readily. Usually the males that show up first with a lot of songbirds, it's usually the males that show up first. But if you look closely at this male here, you can see he's got a very black head, very deep kind of, I don't know what you would call that, orangey rust. Rusty, rusty, yeah. rusty color underneath. Um, and it's very deeply colored. So very dark head. Very deep colored belly. That's classic male American nice robin. Contrast in the color. Absolutely, yeah. and a really good looking bird, right? I think a lot of people don't uh, underrated. Uh, absolutely yeah. underrated. We don't appreciate them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And when you but, start hearing them, right? When you start hearing the songs, like that's just when I first started tuning into birds. I remember looking at an American robin with binoculars for the first time and going, oh, wow, like these guys have so much more going on than I thought. You know, we absolutely we just take them for granted. Yeah, yeah. Once you look up close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, Jody, tell me what you are looking for right now. Yeah, so we have, we're right here along the river, and there's this gravel bar out here on the Bow River, and it's filled with gulls, which have really just, it's, been a couple weeks the first gulls have have started to come back and right now it's a uh, it's all california gulls which is uh you know one of the one of the more common you know, large white-headed gulls that we get through here 
And I think they're, they're almost the perfect gull, to be honest. They have beautiful long wings, really nice dark gray back, uh, beautiful yellow legs, and their bill, nice bright yellow bill with sort of a reddish orange dot and a little bit of black near the tip. So they're, they're actually quite striking. And I was just scanning through to see if there were any smaller ring-billed gulls or any of the larger herring gulls. And so far, all I'm seeing is, is California, uh, which is really great because they're actually, uh, they're one of my favorite and they're quite, they're quite stunning birds. Um, especially when we get later into spring, we'll get sort of two different big types of gulls. So when I think people are, are learning their gulls and people shouldn't be afraid of learning gulls. Like they can be for sure, totally confusing, but if you have nice adult gulls of the larger gulls like California and herring and ringbilled, um, uh, adult birds, really the, the good place to start in terms of identification. When you get into younger ones, you know, plumage kind of varies and it can be pretty tricky, but you have nice adult of these larger gulls, really good place to start, uh, with, with good looks. You can actually separate them pretty well. Um, even just looking at the differences in their bill. So, Often when I'm like out on the beaches, I'm trying to show people my piping plovers, I lend them my binoculars, and people don't really know how to use them. So if someone's a beginner, they've picked up their first pair, maybe they've lent some from a friend, what kind of tips can we give them for binocular use? Yeah, binoculars are actually pretty easy to use, but I find uh, sometimes people are not using them the right way in terms of being able to find the birds. And so... I think the best bit of advice I could give people with binoculars, the first thing is to actually have a look at your binoculars. Because if it's, if they're a hand-me-down pair, you know, from your grandparents or something like that, they're probably don't work anymore. They, they're probably not in alignment. Mm -hmm. So actually have a close look. Because I've seen, I've, I remember talking to some people that had really old pair of binoculars. And I remember saying, hey, you know, why aren't you using your binoculars? It really helps. And they're like, well, every time I look through them, you know, it doesn't look right. I get a headache. And, I'll, and invariably, I'll look through them, and they're completely out of alignment, you know? And, and at that point, you just got to get rid of those. You should, you should try a new pair. Um, when you get a pair of binoculars that are working, one of the best tricks is if you're using them and looking all over the place while looking through the binoculars to try to find the bird, it's going to be really tough to find the bird. So the, the trick I like to do or like to tell people is you find the bird, you keep your eye on the bird, and then you raise your binoculars up to your eyes, right? Yeah. Do not sure. search with your binoculars. <laughs> That's right. Especially when you're just starting out, yeah. right? Because it's really tough to find something searching around with your, with your binoculars. It makes it really difficult. Your field of view is enclosed. Um, so look at the bird. Don't take your eye off the bird. Put the binoculars up to your eyes. Really, really simple tip, but it makes a huge difference. And then from there, they can go ahead with adjusting some of the settings once they've got that bird in the view. Yeah, that's right. So normally binoculars will have a you know, main focus mechanism. There'll also be uh, an adjuster called the diopter that can adjust the difference between the right and the left barrel of the binoculars. That, you know, I read the instruction manual. There's ways to sort of deal with that. We won't get into it on here. Um, but yeah, there's two different ways to sort of adjust your binoculars. But um, the, the best thing is, is just get, take them out take them out with you and practice using them. Often it's just a little bit of practice, but they do make an, a really great difference. You don't need binoculars for, for birding at all, um, but they, they do help. And when you get really nice close views of things, oh. Right. And tip with uh, 
birding and glasses because, I don't know, sometimes that's a little bit hard. There are, the cups go up and down, so they can be down when you're birding with glasses and up when you're not birding with glasses, so that's very handy. Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. No, that's a, a fantastic thing. Oh, look, there's a group of ravens mm-hmm. above us doing some barrel rolls. Lovely. Love ravens. That's a bird I could oh, watch oh, yeah. all day, oh, yeah. right? They're like chimpanzee so, so smart, interesting. right? Yeah. They, they are unbelievably intelligent. It is, it is almost scary how smart ravens are, the things I've seen them do. Yeah. Very cool. What did we just see, guys? Wood ducks! Yeah, wood ducks, <laughs> our, our other target for the morning. So we've seen harlequin ducks, and now we've just seen a pair of wood ducks. Uh, here at Carbone Park, so it's really great. Uh, arguably, two of the best-looking ducks mm-hmm. in yeah. the world. I have to agree. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah so <laughs> really, elegant. a real gem. And well, we're you know we've we're minutes from a car on this like wonderful paved path. Mm-hmm. Um, really accessible. easy, really accessible, mm-hmm. really easy to get to. We're really close to shore, and all sorts of ducks just putting on a fantastic show here. Right? This is really great. Yeah, spring birding. Go find your ducks. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, if people are, like, intimidated by starting into birding, but, you know, maybe got some binoculars and now it's spring and they want to get out there, go find a wetland. Go find some nice uh, open water and, uh, and look for waterfowl. Waterfowl and gulls like to, they're beautiful right now. They like to just sit there and you can get fantastic views mm-hmm. and... Um, and they're not hiding in the trees, right? Like they're not flitting around in the bushes. They're out in the open. They're spectacular, you know, March, in, or March through April. And if you're learning to identify birds, you know, this is a great place to start, right? Because they're sitting there in all their glory. You know, you can, you can full on have the book open or your app open and they'll just be sitting there swimming around the, the water. Yeah, you so, don't even really need a scope. You can yeah. see them right from the path. Like they're big, right they're there on the river. Mostly stationary. Yeah. We're using our naked eye right now, right? Oh, and yeah. we've got, you know, what? There's like eight common golden eyes here. There's a yeah. bufflehead here, some lesser scop over there. And don't forget the ringneck duck. Yeah, ringneck duck. <laughs> yes. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful yeah. ringneck duck. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and now they're all taken off. Yeah. Yeah. Go find some ducks. Really spectacular bird to start off on your birding journey. Koa has been producing high-quality sporting optics in Japan for nearly 75 years. Koa's binocular series comes in a variety of sizes and magnifications. Or perhaps you've heard of the Promenar series of Koa spotting scopes, which provide the sharpest images and truest color rendition using top-of-the-line fluorite crystal lenses. If bird photography is your game, Koa products also have a host of accessories for digiscoping. Visit koa-usa.com and remember, if it's crystal clear, it's Koa. So we've kind of found a lot of gulls and ducks and sort of the water birds. And now we've walked into the trees, kind of a bit of snow on the path still. We've got a nice little downy woodpecker in the tree near us. What else are we hoping to see? Yeah, these, uh, this is, (laughs) you know, I think part of the beauty of going to parks like this where a lot of people visit with families that many of these uh, chickadees, nuthatches, and this downy woodpecker, which is pretty cool, this nice little male downy, um, are coming in really close. I think probably looking for for handouts, looking for seeds. Um, But 
all the more reason to to uh, prioritize these kind of places. You don't have to go far to get sort of nice close views of, of birds. Um, but this is actually a great spot to talk about finding birds. You know, in this case, I think these birds are, have found us. But mm-hmm. but finding birds, one of the tricks I like to do is uh, is just walk around and listen a lot, especially in the spring. A lot of birds are now starting to sing, now starting to proclaim territory. That's just going to amp up once we start getting more birds migrating back. So calls and songs are a really great way to to find birds. Even if you don't even know what species is making the, the noise, it'll help you track them down. And I have to say, one of my favorite things about birding isn't just like identifying all the birds you can find. It's really great to be able to identify birds, but birds are just so damn amazing to, to, to watch, right? They're so fascinating. It doesn't take long, even just watching this downy woodpecker and how it was checking out where the food was and looking at us and sussing out the situation. Like birds are really, really great to watch. And, uh, and you can learn a lot just from watching birds. So I think one thing I'd really recommend is, uh, is you know, not just focusing on learning to identify birds, but actually just spend the time enjoying the birds. Even if you can't put a name on the bird, just, just watching them and their behaviors, because that's one of, really one of the best things about, about birds. They're just so fascinating. Yeah, if you're just starting out and you can't tell the difference between downy and hairy woodpecker... Who cares? Who cares? Just go out and watch them. See if you can find where they might be. Figure out what kind of habitats you're more likely to see them in. And just enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. Now, and we certainly can get into how to tell the difference between those two. Um, and you get to woodpecker. I mean, that's, that's one step. That's absolutely. a good step. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Oh, and there's a Danny woodpecker just called. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah, we had some Canada geese going by. Yeah. So using sounds, using calls, using songs, a really great way to find birds, especially songbirds. And they've all left this area for some reason. Where are you guys at? Because <laughs> yeah. we're talking. We're talking too much. Well, that brings actually a really good point too. Like when you're, when you're out looking for birds, uh, you know, it does pay to be a little quieter. So you can, A, listen to what's around you, but also it's a good way to get closer to things is to be, to be a little quiet. Not that you need to go full camo mode to go birding at all, right? Um, but, uh, but you feel like work. more immersed in nature, I think, yeah, when yeah. you're just mm-hmm. listening Absolutely. to all the sounds, not just the birds. But. Sit quietly, yeah. let it just, let it bathe over you. Yeah. It's hard not to be impressed with black-capped chickadees, right? They're so cool. Well, and they can fierce. handle minus 40 temperatures. Yeah, they're here right? all winter. They've got, uh, and they've got a few adaptations for that, right? They've got, like, they're soup, they're mega puffy, right? Super puffy birds. Um, they've got the all-purpose bill or beak. They've got, like, the Swiss Army knife of beaks. They can sort of do anything, everything, right? Um, and uh, they've got dark skin, you know? So they're actually very dark underneath the fur to help keep that heat in. They stash food all over the place behind bark, you know? I think it's something, you know, that... Uh, is known for many birds, like, you know, Canada jays, right? They'll have thousands of these kind of caches. But, but chickadees do this same kind of behavior. Stash food throughout the fall and summer, and they've got that food through the, through the winter months. So they do all sorts of really neat things. So they're cute, they're bright, they're friendly, but they're actually pretty hardcore. They like, they are really, really tough birds that know how to survive. Oh, yeah. Really? Right at me. I'm just gonna land on my head. At <laughs> yeah. That yeah. The billier cap. Yeah, and really easy to tell, male and female. 
yeah. here. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about the robins, how to tell male and female robins apart, with the robins being darker. Um, with downy woodpeckers and hairy woodpeckers, the male is going to have a red patch on the back of the head where the females do not have that red patch. So really easy way to tell male and females. Yeah, and like, again, you don't need binoculars. We're standing out on the trail, just standing still, and they're coming within feet of us. Yeah. No, I haven't raised my binoculars in like 10 minutes. Everything's yeah. really, really close here. Yeah. You know what's a really neat thing about Downy Woodpecker? You know, Downy and Harry Woodpeckers are not even I, each other's closest yes, relatives. I just found that out. So I didn't know that. Mind blown. Yeah, yeah. They're, it's, it's, it's a, so similar. Like an example of convergent evolution mm-hmm. a little bit. They're not oh. each other's closest relatives. They're actually quite different. And they've evolved to look very much alike, which is really, oh. really neat. Very it fascinating. Yeah. Oh, man, what did we just see, guys? Yeah, well, we're, we were just on the river here looking for some more ducks, see what we could find. And then we heard a ringneck pheasant call. And uh, sure enough, we just like scanned the far shoreline. And there's this beautiful male ringneck pheasant just staring at us, like in all his glory. I'm just going right to try to put him in the scope. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of fun. Like they're around, but it's kind of unexpected, right? And that's one of the great things about going out burning because you never know what you're going to see, what you're going to get. Right? Yeah, we're just looking for ducks, and then in the background, there we go. A pheasant showing off. Yeah, here, have a look in the scope. He's a really nice man. He's got the, like, oh, the cheeks awesome. really flared out. He's really in full display, which is... Yeah, so this is this is an introduced bird. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think in some areas they, they have naturalized. Other areas, you know, that they get... More gets introduced into the population often for hunting. You know, so ringneck pheasants are... You know, they're, they're not a native species, but they're brilliant and really, really great to look at. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was not expecting that today. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, and so, you know, again, just being, it's not always about uh, using your eyes, right? And and that was an instance, like, we all heard it, right? And Different than what we'd heard earlier. And uh, and then you hear it, and then you just scan where you heard the sound, and boom, he's like sitting right out in the open, which is actually pretty great. Often they don't do that. Yeah. They're usually skulking around, so. Yeah. Lucky. Good really, you. really nice find. Yeah. Ah, just wrapping up the day. It's been pretty nice. Lots of other birders out. Yeah, isn't it great to be out and to see so many other people out Everyone's out smiling, birding? full sunny day, full right? Full sunny day. Mm-hmm. I think maybe because they're playing hooky from work. I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe. We're, not, we're, we're, just, we're working real hard. Oh, flicker. <laughs> oh. Another one. Yeah, nice flickers. Here. Your flicker chase. Yeah. Really neat. So a lot of these flickers, and uh, uh, one of my birding friends in town, Chris Fisher, refers to them as the Calgary flicker because you get, they're all, most of them are integrates between the western red shafted flicker and the yellow, the yellow shafted of the east. So you get birds that have sort of, uh, you know, orangey flight feathers and you get mustaches on the males that are half black, half red. And it's a really, they're all just sort of a mix between these two subspecies that, that converge here. And, uh, and I think that's what these are too. They look like they had a bit of a mix. Yeah, so it's worth neat. just taking a closer look. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, always, yeah. yeah. But yeah, really good day. Really good day. Mm-hmm. And uh, if folks are interested in some more detail about their spring birding journey, don't hesitate to check out our episode from last year around this time. Uh, Jody gave us lots of really good tips about 
apps and tools that can be used and joining local clubs. Uh, so go check that out if you're new to the scene. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the big lessons, and I think what we've learned here, like we're right in the middle of town at this green space along the water. We saw a fantastic mix of birds. And it's not like heavy into spring yet either. No, you, you don't need to go far. Sometimes that local park down the end of your street can just be a perfect place to get out and get birding and to start, start your birding journey. So get outside, get birding. Woo! <laughs> The Warblers is a podcast of Birds Canada. Our goal is to bring you the information you need to discover, enjoy, and protect birds. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast with everyone you know. Birds Canada relies on the support of donors like you. Visit birdscanada.org slash warblerspodcast to make a donation today. The Warblers is produced by Jody Allaire, Kate Dogleash, Chris Koo and Andrea Gress with music by Jose Mora and art by Alex Nichol. Until next time, keep birding. <laughs>